0: You're listening to the Manchester Vineyard podcast. We'd love for you to join us to discover more about who we are, where we meet, and how you can connect with us. Head to ManchesterVineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description.
1: Right, let's just pray, Father God. We welcome your presence, Lord. I, I, just, I just, I just pray right now that the lost would be called home this morning, Lord. That those that sit on the fringe, the edge, those that are in this room, that. Not sure if they know you or how they know you or why they're even here. Lord Jesus, would you open their eyes? Would your eyes be opened that you might see something more of Jesus this morning? Lord, I pray for all of us that every distraction we might have would, would sit at the side. Lord, for whatever text or email or conversation or argument you've had today, this morning, on the, on the way, whatever it might be, that that would sit aside from what the presence of the Father wants to do among us this morning. Lord, would our eyes be open to more of you. Lord, we love to come together. I love being around people who are like-minded but ultimately we're not here for that we're here for you we're here because we want to encounter something of the presence of the living God Lord would it be that that we come to know and experience more this morning thank you for the honor and the joy of worshiping you Father that was for you but now I pray that you'd minister to us come and speak let let your words speak to our hearts Whatever I say in the human, would that drop off? But Lord, would it be you? Would we be open and receptive to your voice? Spirit of God, we open ourselves up and we welcome you. Come, Lord. Amen. It's a couple of weeks ago, I started this new series called It, it Takes a Village. If I often speak in series. I just encourage you, this week's will make more sense in the light of that. So if you missed it, go back on it. Equally, uh, if you weren't it, Naomi spoke last week, and it was phenomenal. Uh, if you missed it, you, you missed a corker. But um, again, go go back on it. But um, this, this series really is about raising sons and daughters. That's what I want to speak into. I believe there's a biblical mandate on our lives for that, for how we relate, for how we interact with each other. Equally, I want to be really intentional and lean into and speak into parenting throughout this series. Some of you will be parents. Some of you will have older children that have left home. Some of you uh, will be parents-to-be. Uh, but also before before some of you step back and think, oh, therefore this isn't relevant to me, just because you're not a, a, a parent, I want to say this, we're all sons and daughters of the King. Our, our mandate is to raise and invest in spiritual sons and daughters. And uh, it's, it's, it's a thing, therefore, that should affect and impact every area of our lives. And uh, as we seek to be people that to, that raise and invest in spiritual sons and daughters, we all need to grasp how we're going to do that what's that going to look like as we seek to invest in the, the, in the next generation? We should all be people like Paul that have a Timothy. We should all be people that have somebody that we're, we're pouring into and we're believing in and we're investing in and we're prioritizing. Um, and, and just to say that I'm not going to keep saying that. I'm not going to keep saying that. I think it applies to all of us with, with spiritual sons and daughters um, because at times I'll refer to being a parent. What I mean by that is I think you can apply this both ways. And... Um, but also I if you weren't here when I started this series I, I just want to say just for those of you that didn't hear this I know for some of you this will be quite hard this will stir some stuff up there'll be uh, the pain of your childhood there'll be the pain for some of you of absent parents abusive parents overbearing parents and people uh, that you've trusted spiritually that have broken that trust and and spoken things into you and over you that have have hurt you and and so we we've just got to be sensitive to that We've got to be aware of that. And we've got to have a, um, a loving, compassionate heart for each other as we as we process some of this. Honestly, there'll be so many things that help us as we seek to be whole and healed and as we go on this journey. And I don't want to dismiss all of the other things. I think it's great. Like there's, there's small ministry groups. There's people who will meet with you, pray with you. There'll be the interactions in small group. There'll be the daily times of um, devoting yourself to Jesus. There'll be counseling. There'll be many, many wonderful things. But... Can I, I'm not trying to dismiss all of them, but can I just mention one thing, if you were to do one thing that I think will help you be more whole and more healed as we go on this journey is this, is to worship Jesus. Honestly, nothing else. What, What we just did wasn't for us, that was for him. And as we take our eyes and attention off us and we put it onto him, it freezes and heals us, restores us because there's an overflow of his grace and goodness and we realize who he is in our lives. So um, I I just want to say, prioritize worshiping Jesus. If this is hard for you, if this is not hard for you, whatever you do, prioritize worshiping Jesus. Personally, for me, as I've lifted my eyes off myself, it's been the thing that's freed me, healed me and restored me. And at the end, we'll, we'll, we'll do some ministry together we'll pray for each other he'll minister to us but worship is for him and it's so so important. Um, and as we as we worship Him, we cannot not be changed because that's the God that He is, and that's who it is that we worship. We need Him. He's our healer. He's our restorer. He's a comforter. He's our protector. I, I could go on and on and on and on. But as we as we seek to to raise and invest in each other, and I realise for some of you this is a hard journey. Let's be a people that just fall more in love with Him and give Him the worship that He's worthy and. It, and he deserves so um let me jump straight in i think i gave a bit of a build up to it last time we spoke but i think there's 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 three things that affect our our priorities and and they are they they are these three things it's your choices your goals and your time i spent a bit of time trying to work out if i could make it begin with the same letter and i failed and it would just confuse you so i thought i'd actually stick with what it is if that's helpful so it's choices goals and time they they begin with your choice and they're expressed with your goals and they're accomplished with your time. Let me just unpick that a little bit. Priorities start with a choice and we have to make relationships our priority because if we don't, they just drift. If we don't place a priority on that, they'll just become anything and before you know it, we'll have diluted it. But relationships must be chosen as a priority and then rechosen and rechosen and rechosen. We can easily take each other for granted or avoid the hard work of relationships because, let's be honest, actually, relationships are often hard work. But what's most important easily becomes less important and then slips into unimportant. But I just want to remind us relationships as a priority are a daily choice. I um, always take my wedding ring off when I sleep and I leave it on the side in our bedroom. And most mornings, Steph will pick it up and she'll hold it and she'll say to me, will you marry me? And I, I, uh, I love it. And I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Of course we're married, but each day I choose to be married. And I choose to be married, and all that represents the attitudes, the behaviors, and the life choices. I just want to reflect back to you what I actually mean by that. To be wedded to my wife, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, in sickness or in health, to love and to cherish, till death has do part, or until Jesus returns, whichever comes sooner, according to God's holy law, in the presence of God, that's the vow I made. And I choose it every day. And as she gives me that ring, it's a sign of a marriage that with my body, I honour her. All that I am, I give to her. All that I have, I share with her within the love of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. If you came and you're now confused that we're doing a wedding ceremony, we're not. But I really want to emphasize this because it is yes, 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 but it's a daily choice. It's a moment-by-moment choice, a vow made before God and a covenant relationship, but we have to make an active choice to commit to relationships. If we don't prioritise our priorities, they drift and they slip. Three things get in the way of those priorities. It's this. I did manage to get these to begin with the same letter, and I am proud of myself. You will be less so, but anyway. Decisions, distractions, and drift back on track with it decisions distractions and drift our decisions get in the way of our priorities our relationships with our children stop becoming a priority when we make other things a priority i know that is like the most obvious thing in the world to say but sometimes we've just gotta we've got to take a moment and think hang on a minute our relationship with our children our relationship with our spiritual children stop becoming a priority when we make other things a priority so if you were just to take that moment and think, well, what is that? What is that? Is it your work? Is it your needs? Is it your friendship groups? Is it your, your hobbies? You know, can, can you go on a work trip for a few days without thinking or connecting with your, with your family? Can, can you do that? Because I think you've got to kind of question that decision. Oh, I'm just going for a while. You know, it's only just a little bit of time. I'm I'm actually quite busy with work. I get pulled away a lot and it it will settle down. Like, really? That you can go without connecting with them. I think that is a slippery slope. I um, recently had to go to London, and and Steph and I decided that I would do it in a day. Rather than go the night before, I would pay the price. It would have actually been way easier to go the night before, stay in a hotel, roll out of bed with about two minutes before I needed to get up, have probably a better night's sleep than I would have had at home. But we decided I wanted to pay the price rather than our kids. Now, that is a very small example, but do you see what I mean? Because we don't pander to them, but we do prioritise them. We don't pander to them, but we prioritize them. How are you prioritizing raising sons and daughters in your decision-making? Has life become about you? Because it takes a village to raise you. So you need to be part of that village and you need your children to be part of that village. It's so easy to slip into the mindset, but what am I receiving What am I getting from this? I want to ask you this morning, what are you giving to this? Because as you give, what you already have will multiply. It's often in the giving that we see increase, not in the receiving. That's kind of how the kingdom works. It says this, 1 Timothy 5.8, But those who won't care for their relatives, especially those in their own household, have denied the true faith. Such people are worse than unbelievers. 1 Timothy 5, four. Take care of any widow who has no one else to care for her. But if she has children or grandchildren, their first responsibility is to show godliness at home and repay their parents by taking care of them. This is something that pleases God. There's such a clear theme in the Bible. We could look at so many different parts and passages, but it's a prioritizing family, not pandering to them but prioritizing them. Equally, I think we have to be so careful when we prioritize that we don't do the absolute reverse and we start to pander. We can't hide from, from ministry. We can't hide from all that God calls us to do and live within the comfort of family. Some people spend all of their time on family only to realize that when the kids get older, they've started to develop something of a self-centered mindset because the only model they've seen or understood is that they're the center of the universe. I want to say to you, don't be, don't be consumed in that way. Don't be so consumed by the family unit or don't be so consumed by a hobby. Don't be so consumed by a house renovation project or a long distance travel commitment that you might have that you miss the things that God has put right in front of you in the church family, and in your immediate family. We're trying to model to them the ministry of Jesus, the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of comfort. So, so the, the first thing is, is decisions. The second one is distractions. Distractions happen in the moment, and then drift happens over time. I'm amazed. I don't think I'm unique in this, but I am amazed how hard I have to fight distractions I can get distracted by the slightest little thing that enters my world. Oh, there's a fly flying around. I'm gone for quite a while. A little thought in my head, you know, a a football match, whatever it might be. That would be what it is for me, but what is it for you? You've got to kind of call out some of your distractions, like shopping, house decor, gardening. What is the thing that just constantly sucks your time or causes you to drift without even realizing? One of the best ways we can fight distractions and drift is to parent intentionally rather than reactively. We have to be intentional about this. We have to be intentional with our children. We have to be intentional with our spiritual children. Let me just share something that um, I think probably places, probably more my daughter than me, but places us in a vulnerable place. And I'm not trying to say we're holier than thou and that we have it all sorted. But to speak into this, I think I've got to share some stories and therefore some of those stories are going to be about our children. Normally, I avoid speaking about our children with everything within me because this is their church family. I don't want them to have a spotlight on them in any way. I don't think it's helpful. So please, if possible, don't feed this back to them. I'm not trying to be secretive, but I just think this is their family and it doesn't help them to know every week their dad shares about them. But most days I go um, on a walk with our eldest daughter before she goes to bed. Now, if I was to give you a snapshot of that time together, I could say that I think I could divide what happens in the conversations that we have in those times into three segments of what we chat about now one of them would be we just laugh and we chat and we're highly spontaneous anything could happen we would build a bridge over a stream we'd jump over the stream we'd try and chase to catch up with the ice cream van we'd bump into someone walking a dog literally anything can be happening it's who can throw a stick the furthest is is that kind of thing The second one is we stumble into, and I I mean this, we stumble into something of the awe and the wonder of God. We're both asking each other questions. She's asking me things about God that I have no idea what the answer is. Literally none. Not even thought of the question to be able to come up with the answer. We're exploring things about God and it could go anywhere. It's teaching her and it's teaching me. And we're walking out our faith journey together. We're exploring something, and it's finding understanding. Sometimes it's really light, and it's quite lighthearted. Sometimes it goes incredibly deep, and we stumble across something that can be quite heavy. We can even lead into what what I might call, if I'm honest, like a ministry time. I'm praying for her, and I'm knocking stuff off her, stuff that... um, that, that is maybe unhelpful that she's carrying and 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 I'm teaching her to do the same for me and we 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 start to be comfortable with each other in doing the ministry of Jesus and doing what he did in the way that he did it now honestly those times flow out of the first it starts just with making space for fun and making space to, to to have a laugh together, and we end up talking about Jesus. When we prioritize those times and that relationship together, God can work and he works powerfully in those moments. That's partly why I'm so excited for the weekend away. We make space to have fun together. We make space to spend time together. We normally stumble and end up sharing something of Jesus with each other in life in that way. I think they've, they mentioned that they forgot to mention The deadline for signing up for that is this Friday. It would really help the team to do some of the logistics if you could sign up by this Friday. But anyway, rabbit, Warren. Um, the, The third thing is this. What happens in those times is she has time and space to just be with her dad. She can say anything. Sometimes she doesn't. Sometimes she does. Sometimes we stumble into fears and worries, things on her heart that we make space for and time for. And as we do, it reveals something, and it allows me to speak as her father into that and walk alongside her and journey with her. She's remarkably inquisitive and creative, and in those moments, she's formed. I'm able to invest. I'm able to protect. I'm able to nurture her. What I want to do is encourage you to intentionally make space for your children. I'd encourage you to intentionally make time to spend time with others. What does that look like? What does that mean? Well, I think it means regularly being in small group, regularly coming to church, regularly serving the city, regularly having meals together in each other's homes, helping each other practically, being family together. When, When we're in pain... Or when we've experienced pain, what we often do is we pull back and we pull up the drawbridge. And we've got to unlearn that. Because to be all that the Father has for us actually takes a village to raise us. We do this thing and we do it together. Each of us will collide and bump into each other sometimes, positively, sometimes less so. But the more we do it, the more the Father shapes us and causes us to become more like him. And we, we've, we've got to... We've got to look at this stuff. We've got to reflect on this stuff. We worship Jesus and we let him father us. And we need spiritually mothering and fathering. Often I think those, 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 those areas of conversation for many of us, I know I reflect on it in a conversation with my daughter, but they, they fall into those three categories and I just encourage us to think through, what does it look like for you to be intentionally investing each other? Can I encourage you to intentionally encourage and, and invest in a rising and emerging generation? Parent your children intentionally. Sometimes you will have found it's grandma or granddad that pours into you sometimes actually you're pouring into grandma or granddad. It's the same with aunties and uncles. It takes a village for us to become all that God has called us to be. Often um, when children leave home, they think they know a new way of doing things. Have you found that? Have you seen that? Children sometimes think they know better than their parents and then often a few years later they realise actually maybe their parents did a phenomenal job and actually the world doesn't need reinventing and uh, maybe they were onto to something. I think we can learn to have a posture of honour and a posture of learning and realise that we wouldn't do everything the way somebody else does but there's nuggets of gold that we can learn and be shaped by. So I'd say with children specifically, you've got to you've got to create some of that. I don't want to keep overusing the word but you've got to be intentional. Create the bedtime routine. Make it a practice to stop and talk whenever they have news that they want to share. Ask questions about their day. Make it a habit to spend time on projects or or, or, or specific things around the home that they might naturally not have done but you might be able to include them in. Plan evenings of fun or entertainment whatever it, whatever it might be together. We would regularly have something that has now become known as Friday night fun it's just their time it is whatever they want to do in the way that what they are within reason but you get what i mean but um we'd read uh particularly around the evenings around that bedtime routine we'd read uh devotionals together we'd discuss it for younger children there is an incredible um app called the bible app for kids i don't Personally, we're not trying to randomly get them on apps and devices and all of that. But that's an incredible way of going into the world that they're already in and helping them have fun and explore something more of Jesus. I, I, wanna talk to, I want them to talk to people and I want them to relate to people. That is a fight, wouldn't you say, in this culture? That, that younger generation that have just been raised on devices in the digital world Many of you will have, uh, with, with younger children now, you, you grew through it as a social experiment, but actually this is just their world. It's the digital world and all they know and all they do. I, I want them to talk to people. I want them to read a Bible, not a Bible on the phone or a Bible on an iPad. It's like I want them to, 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 to get hold of it and to grasp it. I want them, when we're in these social environments, to actually be around people. I so totally digress with that. But I just think it's full on. It's full on right now for kids in that world. And the, the culture will lead them unless we lead them. And they'll accept and swallow whatever is thrown at them. And we've got to be people that think it through and understand the impact of that. And what and who is discipling them. And we get the opportunity to disciple them and we have a role to play and we shouldn't abdicate that role we should be intentional about it it's our job and it's our god-given job and it's no different i think with spiritual um, development and spiritual investing of sons and daughters You know, I, I would say uh, in, in my life, I have a number of people that I would say are like my spiritual parents. And uh, they don't necessarily all live in the city. That You, you develop people far and wide. And um, sometimes it's funny, even even the sound of their voice can have a quite an impact on you. Sometimes when, they, when you meet with them and they pray with you, the sound of their voice can, can reduce you to tears because of the safety and the comfort and the belief and the kindness that God pours in through them. And we've got to realise the part that we play, therefore, in people's lives because God places us in family. So why on earth sometimes do we neglect it Or do we take it so lightly and we try and do it our way? Because that's the place that we're vulnerable. And that's the place then that we get picked off. People need to be in a place where the power of God shows up to learn about the kingdom, to learn about kingdom living and to learn about discipleship. A place for them where they know that they're loved and they're cared for. Proverbs 22 verse 6 says this, direct your children onto the right path. And when they're older, they will not leave it. Direct your children onto the right path and when they're older, they will not leave it. Decisions, distractions, and drift. What, what are we choosing? How are we, how are we doing it? How are we living? So if we know that we're trying to avoid those things, distractions, drift, what are we actually aiming for? Well, let me, let me tell you what I think we're aiming for. It says this, Luke chapter 2, verse 52. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and all the people. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and all people. I think we're aiming for four areas of growth in our lives that are reflected in that verse. Firstly, it's intellectual. That passage refers to wisdom. We want to encourage those we're discipling, or our own children, to grow in understanding. We want to, we want to teach them things. We want to develop. Them. I don't just mean uh, in, the, in the ways of God. I mean even just education. We want them to, to be all that they can be, to, earn, to, to learn, to develop, to have an intellectual growth. That's the first one. The second one is this, physical. The passage refers to stature. Our role is to protect and nurture a child physically. The third one is spiritual. The passage to refers to having favour with God. We want to guide that child to be strong and to have a strong relationship with Jesus. And the third one is social. The passage refers to having favour with people. That is something really important that sometimes I think we neglect or bypass or don't think is our, our thing to do, but actually to pass on to your child skills for living and skills to live responsibly and as an independent adult as they grow up. We're spiritual mothers and fathers. A number of us will be parents to a child, and these roles and responsibilities are things I think we need to grasp hold of. We need to understand and not take lightly. But parenting is basically, in in a word, I would say it's uh, it's planned uncertainty. That's kind of what it is. And so all these goals don't actually remove the uncertainty of life. But what hopefully they do do is give us direction and wisdom in the midst of it. Do you remember in, um, many of you will be familiar with this, who probably even will will learn about it at school. But in Exodus 2, Pharaoh ordered all of the Hebrew babies to be killed. And the baby that was born, we read this, Exodus 2, it says this, the woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she probably did well to hide him for three months, but when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket of pyrus reed and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the River Nile. Many of you will then be familiar with the rest of that story. But the launching of that little baby Moses in that basket, I think holds something incredibly profound for us as we think about parenting. She was releasing him towards his potential for life and growth. It's what we have to do and it's what we get to do again and again and again. It doesn't start when they drive off to uni it, it actually starts before they're even born because we get to pray for them and to pray over them and to prepare and steward all that the Lord entrusts us with. You know, if, if you're in this room, whether you have children or not, you are a spiritual parent and you have to steward well what the Lord has entrusted you with. You're also a son and daughter And therefore, you need people that are speaking into your life and reminding you of who you are and all that God has for you. Actually, to to take things in that way and to have that mindset, I think, reminds us as our desperate, desperate need to trust God with our lives. Because we live in this balancing act between keeping a child safe, but also releasing them into what are often quite dangerous environments. I love how C.S. Lewis says it. He once said it that like this. Since it is so likely that children will meet cruel enemies, let them at least have heard of a brave knight and have heroic courage. That's part of our role, to help them see and to understand who the father is and all that he has for them. God is the perfect parent, and he promises to give you the strength and the wisdom that you need to do the job. So parenting is a relationship, and the strength and the wisdom that we need comes out of a relationship with him and through him. So therefore, if you want to be a better spiritual parent or a better parent, kind of just doing a full circle to what I said at the start, worship Jesus, because the best thing you could do is to be a more Holy Spirit-filled you. My dad was absent in my life, and I have to acknowledge that, and I have to acknowledge that, and I have to deal with the impact of that. Now, I, I tell you now, one thing I have learned, I will not be absent in my children's lives because I don't want it to be how it was for me. But I will also not allow the Heavenly Father to be absent in their lives. And I'll make life choices and I'll make decisions to ensure that that is the case. Can, can I ask you, what has it been like for you and have you ever actually thought about it? Because what was, your, what was your upbringing? What was your schooling? What were your teenage years like? What were some of the first that you can remember in your life? Because sometimes we've got to acknowledge it, process it to work out how we want it to be different. Love is spelled out in the daily life very intentionally, would not cross the line on certain things. We thought it was going to have an impact on our children beyond that that we thought was healthy. And not actually just our two daughters, but actually many other people in this church. We just didn't want to push them or push them too hard. Yes, we want to stretch, but we don't want to break. See, we, we don't pander, but we do prioritize. And I think it's really important you know that. There's, we have to make life choices that ensure that our children are protected and prioritized. Psalm 90 verse 12, teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. That's kind of saying, teaches to make the most of our time. There's a tug of war between quality time and quantity of time. They need both, focused attention and sheer hours of availability and presence. So I guess one one question to to ask yourselves maybe as you reflect on this this week is what do do with your time? How much of your time do you carve out for them? Not for, for the jobs and all the stuff that you have to do, but just to love on your children. And let me just be clear, I know I said I wouldn't keep saying, but I also mean spiritual children. How much time do you carve out to pour into others? What are you giving to raising sons and daughters? In the, um, in my earlier years when I was in the fire service, it was, it was I would say it was quite hard in a number of ways. It was one of the most complex, sexualized, intimidating work environments I've ever been part of. I was working with 19 other guys, the youngest of whom was 15 years old me and uh, I was seeing some stuff and experiencing some stuff at the age of 19 that was uh, not trying to overinflate this was but was probably beyond what a number of people would see in a lifetime I'd moved to a new area and I didn't know anyone other than the people that I worked with you could therefore say I was incredibly vulnerable but there was this dear dear couple Dennis and Doreen I've not made it up they both begin with a D and I do like stuff like that but anyway <laughs> Dear Dennis and Doreen, uh, both of them now, actually, they've, they've gone to be with Jesus. But I, I didn't know them that well, if I'm honest. But they wrote to me a handwritten letter. Those things did exist at that time. Once a week for two years. And at the end of those two years, Dennis was no longer able to write because his mind was slipping away. But Doreen kept writing just to encourage me just to cheer me on, just to say we're praying for you, we believe in you, keep your eyes on Jesus. I guess I want to ask you this this morning. How are you living like Dennis and Doreen? Would that be your legacy, that somebody would speak after you even when you've passed away? Who are your Dennis and Doreens now? Because I tell you, you need them. There's this dear couple in this church who regularly virtually since the day we planted regularly email us not asking us for something not anything to do with the church not because they want something not because we've done something that they didn't agree with but just because they want to find a different way virtually every week to say they love us they're for us they're praying for us and they're praying for our children to spur us on and to encourage us in our faith you need spiritual mothers and fathers and you need to be spiritual mothers and fathers where one lacks the other can help it's kind of designed that way this is a kingdom principle and we've got to grab hold of it if if you have children whether that be physically or um spiritually can i can i say this when did you last encourage them that's how we grow best when did you at last identify something good in them and actually say it to them when was the last time you told them how much you believe in them on the basis of today's talk I'm saying we're all spiritual mothers and fathers we need to engage with this we kind of need to step into this place I say to our children um, most nights before they go to bed I say I say I've got two things to tell you and I don't even have to say them because they know what they are but I say I love you and the second is, I love you. If there was any doubt, I just want them to know. Spending time with your kids doesn't automatically mean they know that or that you step into the place of encouragement. And I want to I say it's exactly the same with your spouse. Just because you're married doesn't mean you're prioritizing them. Doesn't mean you're encouraging them. Doesn't mean you're stepping into fulfilling some of the things that you need to for them. Nothing is a priority until we make it a priority. As you love your children, and just for the removal of any doubt, I mean spiritual children, can I just finish by giving you four quick reflections and things to think about? The first one is this, sort out your calendar. Things stay a priority when we plan for them. So get it in the diary and actually do it. We have to make time for our children and to make relationships a significant part of our time. Let me me give you an example of one of the things we've done. Where um, Often when it's somebody's birthday, we just go around and say one thing that we love about that person. And uh, we were once with a group of friends and our daughter said, can we do that thing? And I was like, oh gosh, I don't know how this is going to work in this environment. Anyway, she got everyone around the dinner table to go around and say one thing that we loved and valued about each other. Man alive, it was a powerful thing to do. It was affirming. It was healing. I don't think there was a dry eye in the room. But they will do what you teach them to do. So let's just make sure we're teaching them to do the things that we want them to do. That's the first thing. Have a look at your calendar. The second one is this, establish routines. We make our habits, and then our habits make us. So particularly with children, routines around a bedtime is an absolute no-brainer. You will very rarely get hold of me between 6 and 7 out of an evening, Because I'll be reading stories, we'll be praying, we'll be chatting, we'll be encouraging, we'll be speaking truth and life, we'll be sharing thoughts and feelings. You know, throughout the pandemic, Sophie and I used to every night read a chapter of um, Pilgrim's Progress. Now we're currently just working through this devotional. I pray for her; she prays for me. When's the last time you prayed for your kids? Don't don't let it slip into jobs and stuff you have to do. When's the last time you laid hands on them and prayed for them when's the last time they laid hands on you and prayed for you right from the earlier stage Steph will regularly pray for our children while they're asleep it's an incredibly powerful thing to do get a routine going what's when they come home from school what's the the snack routine a moment where they have some downtime to decompress and process their day how available are you and accessible are you for those moments some of the things our children are dealing with right now are frightening. Honestly, they, they are. Liv, uh, our younger, she's five, she's navigating and she's exposed to some conversations I wasn't thinking through until I was in my late teens. Some of the dynamics of other parents and conversations she's processing. We've got to think some, through some of this. I don't want to go into the detail of those conversations now. But it's, it is a complex world for them to be walking through. And some of the technologies, just because it fills up and gives us more time, just endless TV and devices will be the thing that disciples them if we don't. I'm not trying to be old school. I'm not trying to be traditionalist. We've got to be people that love and care for our children and invest in their development. Our daughter, after um, pulling money from virtually every source under the sun, um, including obviously family, managed to get a Nintendo Switch. I don't think I'm ever gonna forget her face of realizing we'd actually got the thing when she opened it. But she really wanted it. A number of her school friends had had it a while before her. Anyway, my, my point is this, we added a fair bit of money to the one that she bought, so that she could get the model that goes on the TV, rather than the one that is just a handheld device. Because when she's on it, we wanted to be part of it. We didn't want her just to be in her own world. We wanted to enjoy that world with her, fully active and participating. And of course, when she goes to bed, obviously, I have a little play on Mario Kart myself. But I guess, I guess, I'm like I'm I'm saying this: establish routines that are healthy. They'll they'll be. Some but what are some of yours? And I don't just mean, I go on want to keep labouring this point. I don't just mean if you have children. what What is that looking like for you to intentionally create a habit and a routine to step into somebody else's life? The third one is this. Love as you go. Children are phenomenal with the what did you do today question. What did you do today at school? Nothing. <laughs> right. Were you inside? No. Were you outside? No. Well, what did you do then? You just can't quite get it out of them. But we've got to find questions that draw it out of them. Give them time and space to talk to you about what they're really doing and what they're really feeling. We don't want the one memory that they have of us to be, oh, you were just always on your phone. You were never available for me. I think so often in these environments, how are you? I'm fine. Really? It takes time to step into the conversation. It takes time to walk alongside somebody that allows them to share who they really are and what is really going. Fourth and final thing. Just do nothing. You know, sometimes we try and fill every moment in this consumeristic world with stuff and doing stuff. Sometimes the healthy thing you can do is actually nothing. No expectation of a conversation, no specific plan, no um, anticipated outcome. Just sitting or being together in the same room in the same space, watching or a movie, reading, listening to some music, whatever it is, sometimes for us it seems to be all three at once. But I I just let me let me just say this. I can't quite justify this statistically, but I'd say 20% of our talk results in 80% of our meaningful conversations. 20% of our talk results in 80% of our meaningful conversations. Therefore, it takes the 80% to open the door to the 20%. And you won't get the 20 if you don't make space for the 80. There is something just about hanging out together. That is why we'd prioritise something like the weekend away. But it's, 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 it's laughing about something that nobody else would find funny that clears a way for a significant conversation. Often if I'm working or whatever I'm doing, I'd often hear Steph and the kids laughing to the point of crying. And you're like, what, what are you laughing about? And it's kind of nothing really. It doesn't always need to have a point or a purpose, but they are precious times. Sometimes the greatest thing you can do with your child is actually kind of nothing it's just spend time with them as long as you're doing it together because it's actually not really nothing I'm always just been a bit provocative with you it's always something but we have to remember to make time and space for them my model of being a parent my model of being a better spiritual father my model of being a better son I want always to come from my heavenly father not necessarily from some of the best of parenting or even some of the challenging of parenting that I've seen I want it always to come from him so we need to let it be him that shapes us and teaches us rather than the pain or any prior experience that we might have had I hope that's helpful why don't we we stand Steph would you would you join me If you're new in the room, we're just going to make some space for the Holy Spirit to minister to us.
0: Before we pray, I just want to say that if anyone is now thinking that we're the Schmaltz family, or that we're perfect, we're not. We have our moments, of course, we're growing, we're learning, but everything that Paul said is true, we are so desiring to put Jesus at the centre and to take our responsibility so seriously around discipling and raising sons and daughters, our own children and you know, those that we, that we love and come into contact with in our church. So I just thought I'd drop that in there. But yes, let's spend some time now just waiting on the Lord. Why don't you just close your eyes and we welcome the Holy Spirit. In worship, we, we sang that um, as we worship, we see the face of Jesus. And that's been ringing in my ears ever since, seeing the face of Jesus. What does that mean, to see the face of Jesus? And I just encourage you now, as you stand with your eyes closed, in a, um, in a moment of just stillness and reflection, imagine now... If you were face to face with Jesus,
1: mm. That's good.
0: imagine what it would be like and what it is like for him to be postured towards you with utter love and affection for you. And I just want, to th- want you to think for a moment. What does He say to you? Mm. What do you see in the face of Jesus? And let's just take a couple of moments to just just be. Welcome your spirit. Thank you, Jesus.
1: Just Let's just stay receptive to the Lord. You see the Lord moving all over the room as we wait for him. There will be so many things that have been said this morning that will have provoked and nudged that you want people to pray into. The thing that just came around my head for a number of you will just be come into the realisation that he is a good father you have direct access to a good father
0: I think some of you will feel that you're in darkness and um, you're consumed by pain and problems. You don't really feel like you can see the face of Jesus. I think there is an invitation to um, allow your vision to be expanded. To see beyond the immediate and to see what God's doing and if you're questioning whether there's a tussle between good and evil between God and the devil there isn't Mm. God is firmly on his throne and he is victorious and as we read in in Job where the enemy tried he tried it all on to absolutely destroy Job but he didn't because God had him And God expanded his vision to be able to see what God was doing and how sovereign he was. And it says in um, Isaiah 50, verse 10, Who among you fears the Lord and obeys his servant? If you are walking in darkness without a ray of light, trust in the Lord and rely on your God. Trust in the Lord and rely on your God. So if you feel like you're living in darkness, that's not the end of the story.
1: I just sense there's a, there, there'll be a few waves of what the Lord wants to do among us this morning. Just the gentleness, the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Just, just almost like as a first wave of it, some of you will want to respond, you can, you can see it. Just come to the sides or the front. Just some other people are going to come and pray for you. Don't. I think this is one where don't leave them long. It's not that we want to bring human comfort, but we just want to let the Lord let them know that you're with them. Spirit of God, come. Not that you can miss the moment, but I think sometimes just let the Lord minister to you. He's here. Come Lord. I honestly would encourage you to stay engaged with what the Lord's doing. It's always in waves. Read a moon. Spare the code. Shak just see what he wants to do I think there's um, there's some stuff really around physical healing this morning just even what Andy was sharing about and freed from narcolepsy I just I had an awareness this week there's about five or six people in this church that have been carrying um, problems in their stomach quite significantly not necessarily in this room but i think some of you might want to be prayed for as a representation of them or to be praying for them if that makes sense i think there is a number of people who will have physical ailments or conditions where you've had them for quite a while i think the stomach really around stomachs and um uh, neck pain and tension and um, like migraines and dizziness and confusion and headaches I just really sense the Lord nudging us on this morning but there'll be many other things as well I think some of you as well you just have an awareness that it's not even necessarily anything that was spoken into this morning but you just know it's stirring stuff up in you and there's a sensitivity to that and you an awareness of just Will uh, someone just stand with me and pray for me let's just make a bit of space to do that i just encourage you not just respond now while people are still standing and it's still easy to get out of the rows but have, have people pray for you and stand with you in this moment
0: for listening. To find out more, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description.